Hey everybody, this morning we are going to be talking about fear and all of us know what it feels like to have somebody scare the wits out of us and jump out and go boo and things like that, but we're not going to be talking about that kind of fear. We're going to be talking about the fear that cripples us, that keeps us from being everything that God wants us to, to be. We're talking about the fear like fear of the economy and fear of the future, fear of being alone, people's opinions, the fear of man not having a job or losing your job or the fear of the unknown or anxiety for your kids or anxiety for your family, anxiety for your spouse, uh, terrorism. We could go on and on and on. Some facts about fear. First of all, it is universal, isn't it? It is an equal opportunity destroyer, isn't it? We all know what it feels like to be afraid, to be anxious, to be worried about some things. And, and some of you right now who are hearing the sound of my voice, you are, you're being attacked by that spirit of fear. And some of you are being overwhelmed by that spirit of fear. Second thing is, is fear is epidemic. Anxiety disorders have displaced depression and alcoholism as the number one mental health issue in our country. One psychiatrist put it like this. He said, ordinary children today are more fearful than psychiatric patients in the 1950s. A sad commentary. John Hopkins University did a study 50 years ago about what the top five fears were that elementary students had. And here they were in order. Number one was animals. Number two was the dark. Then were heights. Then strangers. And then loud sounds. Woo! How about today? Same study 50 years later. Number one, divorce. Number two, being attacked or being killed at school. Number three, nuclear war. Number four, cancer and number five pollution a little different world that we live in the good news is jesus understands what we're going through he understands that we wrestle with uh with fear if you were to ask the disciples what the biggest things that uh that jesus talked about to them in their life it would be in this order it'd be number one don't fear and number two the love of god in fact, of the 125 imperatives that Jesus gave his disciples, 21 were talking about not fearing. The next closest one was eight, which is love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. The, the most commanded command in all of scripture is don't fear or things like that. 365 times that's mentioned. That is one for every day of the year. The third fact about fear is there are legitimate fears and there are illegitimate fears. I mean, fear is the most basic instinct uh, that, we, that we have, that, that animals have. In fact, there's a, a word for animals, a wild animal that doesn't have fear. It's called lunch. Uh, I, I've probably told you the story about uh, one time some, uh, some friends and I, we were on a mission trip in Mozambique, Africa, and we were going along, and, and suddenly we saw a green mamba snake, uh, one of the fastest, one of the deadliest snakes in the world, in front of us on the, on the path. Our African brothers, who were actually using the brain God gave them, were nowhere to be found. They stayed away from this. And the, the, the three guys from the United States, we wanted to get a closer look of this. Here's a, I'll show you a picture of the, of the snake. So we were up within just about uh, 10 feet of the snake. And, uh, you know, in the United States, we have snakes that actually do what they're supposed to do. They, uh, when they're scared, they go away from you as fast as they can. This thing went towards us as fast as it could. I have never seen anything, a snake, a reptile, go this fast. It is heading straight towards us. And we all turned around and ran as fast as we could. Uh, I, I, there was one thing that kept going through my mind at that time. It was this, Lowell, 
you do not have to outrun the snake. You just have to outrun one of your friends. Uh, needless to say, we all lived, lived through that, but, but that's a legitimate fear. It's a fear that keeps you alive. It's a fear that God puts in you to protect you. We're not talking about that kind of fear. We're talking about illegitimate fears. And the next thing is, is illegitimate fears are not from God. Let's go back to 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us, don't miss this, a spirit of fear. I mean, that, that shows us that, that fear is more than just our emotions going haywire. It is a spiritual attack against our, our life. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this. He said, when a person is defeated by life, it is always due, ultimately, to the fact that they are suffering from a spirit of fear. The spirit of fear is the real, the ultimate cause of all failure in life, of all unhappiness. Don't miss this either. What that verse is saying is that we're not at fear's mercy. The God has given us another spirit, the Holy Spirit, that is bigger, badder, and more effective than the spirit of fear. There's a story in the Gospels that talks about the disciples when they were facing a tremendous fear in their life. And, and we can glean some things about when we face fears in our own life as well. Here's the story. It came from, and I'm going to mix the gospel accounts together here. It says this, One day Jesus said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out across the lake. Suddenly a terrible storm came up with waves breaking into the boat so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. Now remember, Matthew was in that storm. He was one of the disciples. This is his account. And he could have used a lot of different words to describe that storm. He could have used it cloudburst, heavy rain, deluge, downpour, anything like that. But he used the word seismos. And it's where we get the word earthquake. I mean, a, a seismologist is somebody who studies earthquake. Uh, in, and a, a seismograph is something that, that registers earthquakes. This is a powerful word. Matthew uses it only on two other occasions. One, when it described that the earth's shaking when Jesus was, was crucified. And the other time was in Matthew 28, when Jesus was resurrected from the dead and the ground shook there as well. So Matthew was saying they were, this was a storm that shook creation. This was a storm also that shook them. The disciples faced a horrible storm. And let's face it, there was probably a bigger storm going on on the inside of them than was going on on the outside of them. And something that, they, that we, we realize is when we face something challenging, we will either go one of two places. We will either go to, to fear or we will go to faith. Which ones did the disciples go to? They, they immediately went to, went to fear, which is probably where we usually go, isn't it? Our natural inclination is when something challenging, when we have bad news, when something happens, we immediately at least start out, go to, go to, to fear. What would happen? What would happen if we took that moment when we're, when we're wanting to go there, where we're inclined to go there, but we say, no, I'm not going there this time. I'm going to go to faith. Another truth is fear demoralizes and paralyzes us. Think about the disciples. They were completely paralyzed by their fear in this story. Fear is what kept the children of Israel from going into the promised land, if you remember that. Fear is really what keeps us from going into our promised land as, as well. It keeps us from being who God wants us to be and doing what God wants us to do. If you were alive in 1492, what would you believe about the world? You'd believe it was flat, wouldn't you? 
And what would that keep you from doing? That would keep you from, from venturing off too far from shore. You'd stay close to, to shore. And, and here's the amazing thing. There was this whole world to explore with all its beauty, with all its adventure, with all its, its riches, with all its glory. And, and you wouldn't even get to see it because you spent so much time close to shore. That's exactly what fear does to us. It keeps us close to shore. It keeps us from, from gaining the blessings that God has. It keeps us from, from the adventures of life that God has for it. It keeps us from the, from the bounty that God has. There was a, a soldier in the Japanese Imperial Army in World War II by the name of, I hope I get this even close, Sochi Yochi. Okay? And uh, he was stationed in Guam. After three years of, of being there, the Americans retook the island and for 28 years, 28 years, he went into hiding. He didn't know the war was over and he survived on fruit. He survived on, on, on insects and he survived on rodents. How about that for a diet? And he could hear people laughing and he could pe- hear people having fun, but he couldn't join in because he was afraid and he was in hiding as a result of that. He could smell the incredible food, but he never could partake in that because of his fear. And it wasn't until 1972 that he found out that the war was over and he could come out of hiding and he could be set free. Like Sochi, fear can affect us in horrible ways as well. It can keep us in bondage. It can keep us from enjoying the things of life. It can keep us from inviting the, the, the cute girl out on a date. It can keep us from, from going to college or going on in college. It can keep us from starting the business. It can keep us from sharing our faith. That's the number one reason why people don't share their faith. It could keep us from, from doing the small group or starting the ministry or being involved in the ministry. It's the biggest reason why people don't tithe, right? Fear can keep us from so many things and keep us from the blessings of, of life. It's like the song, The Rose, that says this, that says, It's the heart afraid of breaking that never learned to dance. It's the dream of afraid of waking that never took the chance. It's the one who won't be taken, who cannot seem to give, and the soul afraid of dying that never seems to live. The disciples ask Jesus a question. Here it is. Master, don't you care if we drown? Now notice something. They didn't ask, uh, Master, are you aware there's a storm? They didn't say, uh, Master, can you calm the storm? Here's the question. Do you care? Isn't that a question that you and I have asked a thousand times when things go rough, when we're filled with anxiety, when we have worries, when it seems like the world's caving in on us? And notice these two reactions. This is huge. Notice the reactions. The reactions of the disciple was fear. And because of that, they questioned God's goodness and his faithfulness and his care. Contrast that with Jesus. And it was his absolute, complete confidence in his father's goodness and his faithfulness and his care that kept him from being afraid. When you think about it, fear is just faith in in the wrong things. It's faith in the circumstances rather than in God's promises. It's faith in what the devil says rather than what God has said. It's faith that things are bigger or stronger than God. How about that? It's, it's, It's having more faith in the storm than you have in the one who can calm the storm. It's more faith in Satan's lie that you're going to die than in God's promise that you're going to make it to the other side. It's uh, more faith that you believe the storm is bigger and badder and stronger than God. Think about this. This this will change our life if we understand this. It is a biblical principle that we receive from God by faith, right? And that's something we all understand. But have you ever considered this? 
that we receive what Satan wants to give us through fear. We open the door to him through fear, just like we open the door of God's blessings through faith. So here's the question. What do we do when we're afraid, when we're anxious? How do we overcome our fear? The first thing that we do is we face it. We face our fear. Uh, What do we want to do when we encounter something that makes us anxious or afraid? We want to run, don't we? And what do we want God to do when we're afraid? We want God to take away whatever's causing the fear. What does God want us to do, though? I think God wants us, first of all, to to face our, our fears. If you run from a dog, what will it do? It will keep chasing you and keep chasing you and keep chasing you as long as you're running. The only time it'll stop chasing you is either when it gets totally exhausted or when you, what? Stop running. James 4, 7 says this, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Did you understand what that's saying? One of us is going to be running. Either we're going to be running or the devil is going to be running. And I don't know about you. I'm tired of running. It's time for the devil to get some new running shoes every week because we're putting him to running and we're not running ourselves. My brother had a tremendous fear that he faced. He had a fear of flying. And, And I don't mean he just was afraid of flying. He was he was scared. He was afraid of flying. He was crazy scared of flying. In fact, there was one time that he was, uh, this was pre-9-11, you can tell that, uh, before there were some flight marshals on the, on the plane. But all of a sudden, he looks out the window and he sees condensation on the window. And he rips off his, his seatbelt and goes running up. This is during takeoff. Okay, and he starts screaming, we're leaking fuel. We're leaking fuel. Can you imagine what would happen if he did that today? But the cool thing is that my brother did is he, he kept flying and he kept flying. And pretty soon he started to love flying. He even, he even uh, worked for an airlines and would fly all the time. In fact, he even worked to get his own pilot's license. He overcame his fear of flying by actually flying, by facing the fear. I totally believe in counseling. I think it's wonderful. But my brother could have gone to counseling until the cows came home. But until he actually flew... He was never going to get over that, that fear. Let me ask you this. What's the fear that you're facing right now? What is the fear that's coming against you? Are you facing it? What would it mean for you to face that fear? Let me ask you this question. How many of you are afraid of flying? Raise your hand. I can't see you, but thanks a lot for, for doing that. Now, how many of you have daughters? Raise your hand. I grew up with three daughters that I love very much, but one thing about them is they were all, when they were little girls, horribly afraid of spiders. And it was kind of funny because you'd, you'd come in and they'd be screaming and everything and you'd go in and they'd say, a spider, a spider. And sometimes I couldn't tell whether it was a spider or a speck on the, uh, on the wall, but it was kind of fun to, you know, to come in and kind of be the hero and everything and daddy will take care of the spider and everything. And in fact, one of my daughters, one time I thought it was funny. She said, she saw a spider on the wall and she said, great. Now we're either going to burn, have to burn down the house or we're going to have to move. But when the daughters get older, when, when we get older, uh, I wanted them to be able to face that spider for themselves. And I'd look at them and go, honey, you are 500 times, 5,000 times bigger than this spider. I mean, look at your shoe compared to this spider. You've got what it takes to destroy this spider. You don't have to be afraid of it. I'm not usually afraid of spiders, but there was one fr- spider one time that got my attention. 
I, I there was this zipper spider. It was it was pretty good. It was about this big with its with its feet and everything, and and it had a a nice web by our uh, by our duplex and. And every day I would come home from seminary and I would throw the throw a, a fly or throw something in there and, and feed the spider. What I didn't realize is that spider had a friend or a brother or a sister or something. And I was refinishing furniture and I had all that gloop on my hand and I came around through the bushes and all of a sudden I hit that spider web and that spider started dangle right here in front of me. And But I want you to know I faced the spider. I couldn't help but facing the spider because it was right there. And I even called for help and I went, help! And it just went like this. And, and then I realized, you know what? This spider is afraid of me or more so than I am of it. And I just waited and waited and waited until that spider went to the ground. And that spider, even though it was really big, it just became a bigger smush. And I think what God would want us to know is, is this, that he would want us to say, my precious child, you are so much bigger and stronger. You have a power and you have authority that's stronger, that's bigger than any fear, that's bigger than any spider that comes your way. I think God would want us to know that just like we would want our children to know that. So the first thing we do is we face our fears. The second thing we do is we face God. Businessman Alan Emery was in the wool business, and one time he spent the night on the prairie in, uh, in Texas with a shepherd. And during the middle of the night, they heard the, the howls of the coyotes that you hear out there. And, and, and suddenly, the, all the sheep who had been sleeping got to their feet. A couple of the dogs that were around them started to growl. The shepherd took some, uh, some logs and he threw them on the fire to, to make it get a little bigger. And in the glow, as Alan looked out, he saw a thousand little lights. And what they were, those were the sheep that were, were looking. And it's where they were looking that's really important. They weren't looking at the coyotes. They weren't looking in the direction of their fear. They were looking in the direction of the shepherd. In other words, peace for the sheep isn't the, the, the absence of coyotes. It's the presence of the shepherd. And the same thing for, for us. The Bible says this in Psalm 34. It says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. In other words, and this is important, peace isn't the absence of fear, it is the presence of the shepherd. We see that in the Bible. David faced the same giants that everybody else faced, but there was a difference. Everybody else was focused on the, on the giant. David was focused on God. Those who were focused on the giant were terrified. David, who was focused on God, was unafraid, and he ran towards his giant. The third thing is never forget who's in your boat. I don't know about you, but when I'm reading this, a lot of times I just want to say to the disciples, guys, why are you afraid? Dudes, he, Jesus is in your boat. Why would you possibly need to be afraid if he's in your boat? But here's what they say, the conclusion of the story. Then he stood up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and suddenly all was calm. The disciples just sat there in awe. Who is this they ask themselves even the wind and the waves obey him but here's the thing the same jesus that was in their boat is the same jesus that is in our boat the same god that was with them is the same god that's with us the bible says this that never will he leave us never will he forsake us and that is why we can say the lord is our shepherd what do we have to be afraid of and and something too is is first john 4 4 says says this the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world don't ever 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 forget who's in your boat the fourth thing is live in community 
I want to take you back to a time in your childhood when you were afraid of the dark, when you were scared, but you had one person with you. Maybe it was a brother or sister. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was just a friend. And suddenly just having one person with you in the, in the darkness made a difference. But when you had a whole group with you, man, you were invincible, even though there was darkness all around. One of my favorite things in movies, I love it when the, when the good guys are cornered and the, and the bad guys are all around them and there's no way out. And then all of a sudden the bad guys just drop their weapons and run away because they look up and then there's, there's all the, the good guys' friends and everything behind them. So much more behind them than, than what's in front of them. I can't tell you how many times I've been anxious in my life or I've been worried about something or I've even been a, afraid and a brother or sister in the faith has come alongside me and, and, and encouraged me and challenged me uh, and sometimes even you know, took me off the ledge, so to speak. Uh, they, they reminded me of God's promises. Sometimes they reminded me of God's faithfulness. They told me stories and testimonies in their own life, and I put two and two together and, and figured out that the same God that was with them and took care of them is the same God that, that's with me and can take care of me. And, and, and when I didn't have much faith, they lent me some of theirs. Um, sometimes it was them just reminding me, being next to me, that I wasn't alone. And also, sometimes maybe they just hugged me, and I realized it's going to be okay. The next thing is remember God's faithfulness in the past. There's this amazing passage in scripture that says this in Psalm 78 verse 9. The men of Ephraim, though armed with bows, turned back on the day of battle. So do you get the picture? They've got everything they need to win the battle. I mean, they're armed to the teeth, everything. They're ready to win, but they run away. I want to know the reason why. Here it is. Verse 10. They did not keep God's covenant and they refused to live by his law. That's number one. And then the second thing that I want to focus on, they forgot what he had done, the wonders he had showed them. I want you to picture that. They have everything they need to win the battle, but they forgot how faithful God had been in the past and it makes it so they're timid. They're afraid to face the enemy that they have in the, in the present. I wonder how many times we do that. I wonder how many times that, that we forget all the ways God has rescued us, all the ways taken us away from the fears that we've had, all the way he's come through in the clutch, all the way he's shown himself faithful. And because we forget that, because we, we're not, we don't remind ourselves of that, the next time something comes, we, we go to fear instead of to faith because we have forgotten who God is in our life. That's why for years we have started out uh, our staff meetings with yay gods, with, with victories that God has done. Because starting out with victories, it changes the whole atmosphere there. That when you, when you start out with victories and you focus on that first, all of a sudden the problems don't seem that big. But if you start out and focusing on the problems, then that has an atmosphere too. And, and, and that keeps us away from faith. When you start with problems, it's amazing how fear can grow. But when you start with victories and you focus on that, it's amazing how faith can grow. Either fear is going to grow or faith's going to grow depending on which one we feed. The next thing is believe that with Jesus in your boat, you're going to make it to the other side. Let me ask you this question. What did Jesus not tell them? Uh, he did not mention that there was going to be a storm when they, that they were going to face. He did not mention that they were going to be in fear for their very life. What did he tell them before they, before they got in the boat? He said this, he said, let's go to the other side. And Jesus is saying this, he's saying, if I say you're going to the other side, you're going to the other side, even if you face a storm, even if you're scared half to death. If I say, if I'm in your boat and I say you're going to go to the other side, you're going to go to the other side. And Jesus has told us, we're going to get to the other side. 
I mean, here's just some of the verses. Isaiah 54, 17. He says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I love Isaiah 43, 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. A lady came into my office who had lost her husband and she was, uh, she was sobbing because her grief obviously was enormous, but also there was a tremendous fear that all was lost and things would never be as good as they, uh, they were and, and things just weren't going to be working out in her life. And maybe you can relate in your own way, whatever that is, whatever the fear is that you're facing right now, whatever the anxiety is, whatever the, the worry, here's what I want you to know. First of all, the storm will not last forever. 453 times in the Bible, God says this, this too shall pass. No matter what it is, no matter how difficult, this too shall pass. And secondly, you're going to make it to the other side. First of all, because Jesus is in your boat, and he also promises that you're going to go to the other side. And the third thing too is God has good stuff waiting for you on the other side, just like he did for the disciples. And when you get there, you'll have a greater understanding of who God is in your life. God bless you.